Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. America and happy Tuesday. So much going on. Last night, bombshell video footage released by Tucker Carlson that appears to show Capitol Police officers allowing one of the most famous protesters, the guy in the weird outfit, the shaman, whatever they called him, to wander the Capitol. They're not taking him into custody. They're actually escorting him around. That is the sort of stuff that had been kept from the American people for two years. Now, today, our own Nick Ballacy was able to talk to the Capitol Police and they say, listen, what's going on there is a de-escalation tactic. We decided not to arrest some of the people because there's already too much violence. We didn't want to escalate more. So we chose to de-escalate. But these are things that have been kept from us, from our eyes, from our ears for quite some time. And we are beginning to to learn a whole lot more, much like we did with Russia collusion, the story evolved, Ukraine impeachment, story evolved. We can go through so many of the scan. Oh, Hunter Biden laptop, story evolved. It turned out that we weren't given the truth on the first, second, even the third round of information releases. It seems as though truth comes out in small, slow segments when it comes to controversies in America. Well, we're going to have a conversation about that a little bit later in the program. My good colleague, Nick Chivas, who is working on the January 6th investigation with me, he's going to come on, describe the latest up to date of what's going on, what documents, evidence, testimony people are looking for. I was asked a lot about this at CPAC, the January 6th unresolved questions. And I've said three things all along. There are still officers who've been gagged. They've not been able to talk, both current and former officers who the Capitol Police have not allowed to give their side of the story. There are radio transmissions describing what went on that day that I think will be eye-opening to people when they hear them. And then, of course, there's the video footage that Speaker McCarthy gave to Tucker Carlson. Hopefully all of us eventually get that footage and can analyze it for whatever tidbits of news that there is in there. But until we get those three things, until we hear the officers, until we hear the radio transmissions, until we see the video footage, we do not have a complete accounting. All we have is the narrative of a very partisan January 6th Democratic-led committee, insurrection, Donald Trump's fault. You know the storylines. We've had them all. But there's so much more to this. And one of the most important storylines that we've talked about on this show over and over again is the very important revelation that this attack on the Capitol may have been preventable, that 10 federal agencies, as I reported last week, 10 federal agencies had intelligence suggesting it was going to be violent, but none of them adapted the security plan for the day. That includes the Capitol Police and the FBI, two very important players 
in this moment of reevaluation of the evidence because we're getting more evidence put into there. So we know now that the federal government had a chance to stop this, but they dropped the ball. I do think it was bureaucratic bungling. There's no evidence in any of the reporting I've done that someone did this intentionally, at least not as of yet. No, we're always open to that, right? But right now it looks like bureaucratic bungling, bureaucratic sniping, failure to connect the dots, failure to react over the holidays, because remember this was coming out of a holiday led to some really catastrophic security and intelligence failures, including Nancy Pelosi's team refusing the National Guard, the Capitol Police not calling up enough officers, not even having enough of their civil disturbance units to go there and have on call, their equipment locked up in a bus. My goodness, lots of failure in that extraordinary amount of time that went on. So those are the questions, and we'll get to some of that with Nick Jeeves, but we're going to start today with a amazing guest, someone on the front lines of investigating the weaponization of the U.S. government, whether it's the NIH against scientists who wanted to argue that maybe the virus was man-made and escaped from a lab, that happened with Fauci, or the FBI, which treated parents, Catholics, and other everyday Americans as threats security threats, domestic terrorism threats, gin the numbers, went after the thing, or players in both the security and private sector who tried to scare us all away from the Hunter Biden laptop when it was a legitimate investigative story. So Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he's the one overseeing the weaponization investigation. He's going to join us at the top of the story. He's got some breaking news about Fauci, some breaking news about some subpoenas to the disinformation board and to the school board associations that drove the parents are domestic terrorists narrative that we suffered through for a period of time. So Congressman Jim Jordan from the great state of Ohio, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he's going to open us up. Then we're going to pivot to Nick Jeeves for a quick update on the explosive Tucker Carlson videotape. And then we're going to finish up with a conversation that we had with the current lieutenant governor in North Carolina. He's likely to be the Republican nominee for governor in North Carolina 2024. Mark Robinson, one of the more dynamic figures in the Republican Party, a rising star. He spent some time with Amanda and I down at CPAC, and we thought we'd play that for you today. A lot of news and a lot of insight and analysis in that. So we're going to get started. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to kick off the day with Congressman Jim Jordan, the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, the man on the front lines of the fight against government weaponization against the American people. We'll have all of that in just a little bit. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? 
It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest. He is leading the charge against the weaponization of federal law enforcement, federal agencies against the American people. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and one of our good friends, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, great to have you on the show. Good to be with you, John. Thanks Thanks for all the good work you do. Well, you as well, sir. So much going on between the weaponization and judiciary committees. But I want to start in another area because of all the people who've reacted to this, I think you've hit it most clearly what's going on. There's some new emails out there. You see Anthony Fauci trying to create a counter narrative to maybe cover up the fact that there was some research going on at the Wuhan lab. How concerning is it not only to see the recklessness of the research, but the effort to engage in a cover up? Well, yeah, yeah, because he knew from the start. See, this is the thing. He's he's been in when when this when we're getting the first getting to know about this virus, January 31st uh, of 2020. Instead of focusing on the virus, he's focusing on covering his backside and making sure it's not discovered what was going on. So he gets an email on uh, January 31st at 10.32 p.m. from Dr. Christian Anderson. email says, virus looks engineered. Virus is not consistent with evolutionary theory. He immediately goes into overdrive, sending out emails at 12, uh, 12 midnight, 2 in the morning to get things going. Next day, very next day, February 1st, they have a conference call. On that conference call, Dr. Anderson, a bunch of other folks, and – Three days after that, oh, by the way, one of the other guys on that conference call, Dr. Gary, sends an email to Dr. Fauci that says, I don't know how this happens in nature. It'd be easy to happen in the lab. So you got those, those, those emails from Dr. Anderson, Dr. Gary. Three days later, after this conference call, everyone changes their position, or Dr. Anderson, Dr. Gary change their position 180 degrees. And they say, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist if you think it came from a lab. No, no, no. As I, as I, it came, they say it came from a bat to a pangolin to a hippopotamus to Joe Rogan, and then we all get coronavirus. So, like, you got to be kidding me. So, Fauci, and I think, John, the key question is why? Why would he do it? I think it's clear. Our tax dollars were going to a lab in Wuhan, China, that wasn't up to code, that was doing gain-of-function research. That's why he had to change the story. And there was a lot of pressure to create the counter narrative, to shame people, sort of gaslight anyone who would dare question that maybe this came from a lab. We've seen this, right? We had 51 intelligence agents say the disinformation, the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. How concerning is it to see this constant use of federal resources to gaslight people who might actually be on to the truth? Yeah, that's the problem. And that's what our hearing is about this week. 
where we have we have two of the journalists who were part of the Twitter files coming in to testify because that's exactly the game they play. Big government tells big media, tells big tech, here's what's going on, here's what you need to do. They repeatedly tell them and they frame the message. And, and in some cases, they tell them, take down these accounts. Uh, we think they violate your terms of service, Twitter. I mean, think about that. A, a federal agency telling a company that we think these accounts violate your terms of service. That went, We have those emails that show that. So, yeah, we're very concerned about that because it's a direct attack on something that you cherish, I cherish, and every American should cherish, which is the First Amendment, which sets our p- country apart from so many other places that don't have the freedoms we enjoy here. That's the scary part. So, yeah, they, 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 they mold, they shape, they form the narrative, and they create this, uh, this false perception out there. Another thing that we're starting to see is the use of federal grants to either buy silence or buy complicity. A lot of the researchers who are on the outside saying who challenged Fauci, part of the Great Barrington Declaration, for instance, they said that grant money is used to either buy silence or to buy conformity, which is if you're going to buck Anthony Fauci or the NIH, you're not getting any money. Do you see some evidence that maybe grant money was sort of conforming opinion in, in the medical community? Yeah, because... Those Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, who initially said, I don't know how this happens in nature, it'd be easy to do in a lab, three days later changed their story. Three weeks later, there's, there's a paper that comes out that Dr. Fauci had a hand in editing. He then cites that paper from the lectern in the White House as why this thing, uh, in his mind, didn't come from a lab. He uses that paper that they had manufactured based on that conference call that they'd put together. And then, of course, three months later, Three months later, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary get a several million dollar grant to continue their research. Wow, what a system. Unreal. Well, this is what makes this week's hearing so exciting. I want to turn to another subject that you have been leading on. And I think you were the first to let America know this about a year ago with the whistleblowers, the use of FBI threat tags to smear people. First, it was school parents who were showing up at school boards. Then it's Catholics opposed abortion. Threat tags seem to be the new scarlet letter of American politics. How concerned are you? And does it seem like the FBI has picked up any of the messages of how concerned Americans are? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem to be because uh, I actually think it's even worse than you described. And that was bad enough. I mean, you know, if it's, if it's parents, that's one thing we, we, we focus on that. And then if it's the second one, you know, uh, uh, traditional Catholics, well, okay, well, that's a concern too. But when it gets to be three, which is what we learned from a whistleblower when he said they were targeting pro-lifers, now we see a pattern, right? It's, so it's parents, traditional Catholics, pro-lifers, all are wrong. Now it's a pattern because one, two, three, we've learned about, and the pro-lifers we just learned about this week specifically from a whistleblower that the, the Democrats picked, you know, cherry picked part of the, the, the transcript and released that. But also out there is what the whistleblower told us that was so important that this threat tag was supposed to be for the violence happening to Supreme Court justices around Supreme Court justices' home, the targeting there. And, and in the aftermath of the Dobbs opinion, it was called SCOTUS 22. But he was being pressured to go investigate pro-lifers. And he's like, what are you talking about? They're not doing any pro- the, the, We should be looking at the hundreds of churches and crisis pregnancy centers that have been attacked. So, and then you also have Mark Halk, the situation there where they, they took this guy, they had a SWAT team come arrest him, and they took him to, to trial, and the, and the jury said, totally innocent. Um, so, yeah, it's parents, it's traditional Catholics, and it's pro-lifers. That seems to be a pattern in my mind. 
Yeah, definitely one political persuasion and also three areas of protected speech, right? You got faith, you've got free speech, and these things seem to be used to take away those liberties from folks. When you take a look at the sum total of all of the incredible whistleblowers you've been able to go forward, I know Democrats smeared some of them. News media had to do some corrections over the weekend because they got the facts wrong. I know we're shocked by that. There seems to be a much larger cancer in the FBI. When you look at whether it's threat tags or targeting, do we have a bias problem inside the FBI at this point? Well, that's what whistleblowers are telling us. Uh, and understand, we've had dozens come talk to us. Um, but the, you know you know how the whistleblower statute works, John. You've worked with these individuals. Uh, they, they, can, they can come talk to us about what they do in their official capacity in the federal government, but they want to remain as a whistleblower because if, if, it, if it gets found out, even though there's not supposed to be, it sure looks like many of these whistleblowers have already been retaliated against. And so others are reluctant to actually make it public, even though they're brave and they come forward and tell us, here's what's going on that I don't think squares with what our mission is supposed to be. So God bless these brave whistleblowers that, that have come forward and been willing to sit down under oath for a transcribed interview and tell us, <clears throat> tell us what they've witnessed. And you had Mr. Hill, who you, you worked with, who told us some amazing things about what was going on um, when he and this is the guy who was a, a part of the investigation that 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 dealt with the the, the Boston Marathon bombing uh, tragedy and, and terrible event. So this is a, a good agent who came in um, and and testified. Um, and of course, the Democrats are trying to disparage him. Yeah, we've seen that. Of course, when it's another, if it's a whistleblower that's in line with their uh, reporting, then they're okay with whistleblowers. But they only like one type of whistleblowers: those that could fit their their democratic conformity. Big subpoenas out ahead of the next round of hearings. One to Nina Jankowitz, the head of the former head of the disinformation board. The other to some of the people involved in the targeting of school parents. What are we going to learn from these testimonies, most likely? Well, we, we want to know. We want to know how this whole whole thing was conceived. Who put it together? Who were the players? When did they decide to do this? Was there was uh, who was involved? What other agencies may have been involved? I mean, the, the, the fundamental fact is when you have a a, a federal agency which thinks it can be the arbiter of what you can say and what you can't say. It can decide what's, what's appropriate speech, what isn't. That is not how the First Amendment works. In fact, it's a direct violation, a direct attack on the First Amendment. And yet the Biden administration was going to implement this and would have done so, but for the outcry we all had, you know, those of us who believe in the First Amendment uh, that, that they heard from the American people. So, um, yeah, we, we want to talk to her about how this whole concept was was uh, put into motion. Yeah, so very important. As you go forward, there's such a large number of whistleblowers. It looks like there's been retribution inside the FBI, people having their security clearances suspended for review, which is like being put in purgatory. You don't collect your pay, but you haven't done anything wrong. You aren't accused of doing something wrong. Is there a message you want to send the FBI about retaliating against the FBI agents and other whistleblowers? Well, it, 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 I mean, it's just, it's just flat out wrong. And I, I really want to just say, God bless these, these guys who've, who've come forward. I mean, Garrett O'Boyle, what, 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 he, what happened to him? I mean, here's a guy with a young family, and, and they, what they did to him after they moved him, he was going to go to another assignment, and then he had to pay to get his furniture and, and his belongings. And his, I mean, it's just like, it, it's, just, it's just sad, um, you know, what, uh, what, what happened to him. So, um, God bless them, though, for coming forward because they believe in the Constitution. They believe in the First Amendment. I actually think this is the biggest concern we have of, of all the stuff, the Twitter files. What we've what we've learned is this attack on speech, this idea that that you know, and this 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 web 
of of people uh this web of censorship with with big government big tech mainstream media these ngos who work who get our tax dollars who then feed information to to the media this 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 web of censorship is so scary um it's one of the things we're really going to try to focus on on the committee and of course, as well as the double standard we see, one set of rules for the connected class, another set if you don't have the right political views, this double standard we see in these agencies, um, that's where we really want to focus, I think, our efforts. Yeah, I think the American public are excited to see that. One last thing I want to ask you about, because you've been such a consistent clarion voice on the problems at the border. We had a CPB agent, a female agent, seriously injured this weekend. We got the fentanyl pulling over. You've got those two Americans who were just simply crossing the border to see if they could find cheaper medication. They get killed. It seems as though Joe Biden has a lot of blood on his hands right now, just when you take a look at those three episodes. I, I always ask this, you know, I come to the fundamental question, why would an administration intentionally implement policies that result in the, 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 the things, you know, the, this, the, the, the number of illegals coming across, the, the, the unbelievable amount of this terrible drug fentanyl coming across that has harmed so many communities, so many families. Why? I don't get it. What, what, is it for political reasons, as some suggest? Is it, what is the motivation that says on day one, Joe Biden comes in and says, no more remain in Mexico to evaluate their claims, no more building of the wall, and no more deportation for illegal uh, for, for, for immigration violations. It's like, well, people are going to come. I mean, you can't fault people wanting to come to the United States, the greatest country ever. But it's like, I don't get it. And it's, it's so frustrating because we keep highlighting all the terrible things that are happening and they just don't seem to care, which is, which is you know, I, you just find that hard to believe, John, that, that a president of the United States and an administration would take that position. But that sure seems like what it is. Yeah, no, it is a head scratcher. I also want to ask one other thing, because this has gotten a lot of attention in the last few hours. You're asking ATF to explain what's going on with the uh, hand brace rule. Looks like a lot of stonewalling going on. What's the opportunity here for ATF to come clean? Well, we think they violated the, 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 the West Virginia versus EPA the decision of the Supreme Court and that they, they are, in essence, making law as a regulatory agency. That, that's not how that's not how this constitutional system works. So we think there's a violation there. Plus, remember, they're the ones who said 10 years ago, this brace was fine. And now they're saying, oh, if you don't turn it in, if you don't file a form and pay a fee, you're a felon. Holy cow. I think that's kind of an attack on the Second Amendment, for goodness sake. So that's what we're uh, trying to figure out. We, we sat with Mr. Dettelbach when, uh, you know, few months ago and said, don't do this, because if you do this, we, we think this is so wrong, because there, there was all this talk that they were going to, and sure enough, sure enough they did, and it, uh, it is wrong. It's an attack on uh, Americans' liberty. Yeah, that it is. Well, sir, it is a great honor. We're going to be watching all these hearings. Lots of big news on the forefront. Really appreciate the big update today. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Nick Jeevis, reporter here at Just the News on the January 6th case, he's going to bring us up to speed on the video footage, what the Capitol Police are saying, and where this story goes next. I mentioned a little bit of that in the immediate aftermath. We'll have a whole lot more just after this commercial break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, folks, as I mentioned at the top of the show, so much to talk about with the newer revelations, the continuing new revelations about January 6th. Last week, the GAO confirmed a lot of the Justin News reporting that 10 federal agencies, not one, not two, but 10 federal agencies had intelligence that there was going to be violence that day, that extremists were planning to attack members of Congress, get inside the chambers, possibly target the tunnels, bring guns along. And none of that resulted in a better security plan by the Capitol Police or the U.S. Park Police. That, of course, affirms all the reporting we did last summer. Now we're beginning to see some of the behavior of officers when the crisis was going on, waving people in, leaving doors unlocked, or in some cases, as we saw last night on Tucker Carlson's show with this footage that Speaker McCarthy gave him the opportunity to be basically escorted without being arrested. Even someone like the shaman who spent four years in prison, has been sentenced to nearly four years in prison. He isn't getting arrested by police. He's being escorted around the Capitol. For that, I thought we'd bring in one of our great investigative reporters, Nick Jeeves. He's been covering this. He's working on a lot of things that are on the imminent horizon. We'd want to bring him in to get us up to date on this. Nick, great to have you back on the show. John, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on with you. So there's been a lot of buzz in the news media last 24 hours with this little snippet of video footage that Tucker Carlson put out. These are part of the larger body of footage that Kevin McCarthy gave Tucker Carlson. Tell us what people are saying about the footage, what it shows, and what we likely are going to need to know before we can fully understand what happened that day. Well, it seems to clash with the narrative that Capitol Police uh, had escorted the uh, J6 protesters out, that they had uh, done everything they could to prevent violence, that people, officers were dead or had died. One such officer was a Trump voter, and people weren't told that he wasn't hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. He, in fact, died several days later. And on one of the tapes Tucker was given, you can see through timestamps that the media and certain politicians were dishonest in their dissemination of what actually happened that day. And that calls into question the tens of thousands of hours of other footage that have yet to be released, that have yet to be examined. And it throws this whole narrative up in the air. Is it true? How much did they hold back? And what else is there to be uncovered when we turn over this rock? Yeah, it is so remarkable to realize that really video footage has always been an essential part of the investigative process. When you're trying to unravel a crime or a conspiracy, whatever, you go to the video footage. It only took a a few short months before we got the video footage of what happened to Paul Pelosi. But these videotapes were locked away for nearly two years. And it really has blinded us. Those who have seen it in the past, like Senator Ron Johnson said, hey, there's some disturbing things. There's doors left open. There are officers waving people in. There's officers allowing people to come in rather than hold the line. What do you think is going to have to be assembled for us to get a more complete picture of the decisions Capitol Police made that day versus what we were told the decisions were from the January 6th committee a year ago? I'll speak broadly, and then we'll go into what we're doing here at Just the News. But speaking broadly, we need to narrow down as the media or just as a society at this point, what 
on those tapes contradicts what politicians said to us, what the January 6th commission said to us, and how it's been labeled this violent insurrection, and yet it seems in only this few minutes of footage that Carlson released that that completely destroys what they've been talking about. So we need to be able to look at this footage in a way that we can find answers to these questions. Were they waved in? Were they provoked by the officers? What were the leadership of Capitol Police thinking? What were they doing to prep for this? What were their uh, words on record to their subordinates? What were their instructions? And that's something that we're looking into as well. We have some of the uh, audio tapes from that day that we're going through. And we, just like the rest of the country, want to know just the truth, simply the truth. They call it one of the darkest days in American history. Kamala Harris compared it to Pearl Harbor and September 11th. If that's not true, how can you trust anything that this administration and these members of Congress say if they're that far off? So I think we need to dive into that. And we need more whistleblowers to come forward, I think. If there were people there that day, officers especially, uh, those that may not have been arrested but are still free to talk to the media, they need to come forward with any evidence they might have on their phone, uh, whistleblower documents, anything that they can put out into the public to bring light to this because it's been hanging over not just Donald Trump, but the country for, like you said, years now. This is going on two years. We're coming up on the past two years. So this needs to be resolved. It follows the pattern of other scandals, controversies. Uh, Russia started one way, reversed around. Ukraine started one way, reversed around. This one seems to be reversing. Obviously, there are people who did bad things that day, right? People who did assault an officer, spray him with pepper spray, do other things. Those people need to be punished. But some of the narratives that officers were overrun doesn't look to be the case. In some cases, officers seem to be facilitating or allowing the trespassing into the Capitol. That seems to be such an important issue to resolve, the, the who, what, when, why of that. Nick, as you talk to folks in the Republican oversight committees, where do you think they lead next with this? Obviously, Tucker Carlson started the narrative with this video, but what are some of the other things that Congress is starting to dig into? I think it's certainly, as I mentioned to you, the calling of witnesses uh, before Congress, because the January 6th commission, the, the committee, didn't do its due diligence. They deflected, they denied, they distracted in hopes that the public would just forget about this and let it go. So I think they have to bring the narrative back, like you said, front and center. Tucker helped do that. But if these lawmakers don't get people under oath and then find out what the truth is and punish those that have either committed perjury or may commit perjury in the future... They have to start there. That's one of their biggest powers is to subpoena people and tell them, if you don't tell us the truth, the, the real truth, you can go to jail. And I think that's the only thing that's going to get us answers here, uh, because otherwise the media runs cover, the White House denies it, and other politicians, some even within the Republican Party, don't want to touch this issue. They're, they're afraid of it. They can't explain the lack of footage exonerating people. So they just go with the narrative that it was an insurrection. So I think they need to pull the emergency brake here and really dig in in the way that elected officials should. And we deserve better as a people and as the public. So I'm hoping they use their subpoena power to force people to sit down and really tell us what happened. Yep. Uh, that's exactly what I think is going to go on. We just had Congressman Jim Jordan just a little bit ago talking about some of the places where he's making progress, obviously, for uh, January 6th, not really on the front lines of his investigation, with the exception of the whistleblowers who, who who talk about the civil liberties violations that were going on there. But so many aspects of this, it seems like over the next six months or so, we're going to get a lot more clarity and perhaps a lot less spin from what we were getting in the past. So, Nick, we're looking forward to having you stay on this story. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really important update. 
Can't wait to come back. Thanks for having me, John. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, a really fun interview that we had with North Carolina's Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson. He's a rising star of the Republican Party. We spent some time with him at CPAC last weekend, Amanda and I did, and we'd like you to hear that. We'll have that right after the commercial break. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our exclusive interview with North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, one of the rising stars of the conservative movement right now. North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, it's great to see you in person. Great to be here at CPAC. You spoke earlier. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. We love having you. And I just, I want to dive right in because we were just having a conversation about abortion and on the other side, of course, pro-life in North Carolina. You guys are at 20 weeks right now. What do you see for the future of this? Well, you know, they're having a healthy debate about what's going to take place. Uh, We're going to try to make some steps to push that 20 weeks back. But personally, I would love to see a heartbeat bill laid on the table. I think that saves the maximum amount of lives. Uh, But along with that heartbeat bill, I would like to see some legislation passed. It's going to show up our adoption process, going to fix some of the issues we have around child care and health care. You know, all those issues that drive people to the abortion clinic. If we want to be pro-life, we're really going to have to start showing some love uh, to those children, those mothers, those fathers after that child is born to make sure that they have what they need to succeed after that child is born. So I would love to see a heartbeat bill put out there, but I'd also love to see some legislation passed that will shore up some of those things that uh, lead to abortion to begin with. Yeah, changing the culture is such an important part of that fight. Lieutenant Governor, you've had many great moments on video. I know you had a couple in there just a few minutes ago. But a few days ago, we heard this amazing story. Somebody came up to you and said, Sir, why do you do what you do? Your answer was epic. Could you remind everyone what you said when that man asked that? Well, you know, uh, the individual asked me why. You know, he said, why do you want to be the governor? You know, I just kind of thought to myself, I said, you know, it's not about want. It's not about want. It's about a sense of duty. It's about a sense of, of, of purpose, about knowing that your nation, your state needs folks to step up and step into those roles uh, to be the servant leader. uh, And that's what we have to do. Often, you know, just like our soldiers, our our police, our border patrol agents do, our teachers do. Those folks aren't doing that necessarily out of a desire to be rich and famous. They're doing it out of a desire to serve their fellow man. And I believe that's what elected officials need to get back to as well. Amen to that. Sir, the first time I saw a clip of you on the Internet, at the end of it, I thought to myself, that man means business. And when it comes to law and order, I know that you mean business. I saw a, a Pew Research poll that came out, I think maybe yesterday, that found that minority Democrats are twice as likely to rank crime 
at the top of their list of issues than their white counterparts. Right. Now, it's often that you hear white liberals out there saying crime is not an issue. You're just imagining things. It's it's a gaslighting convention. Mm-hmm. It It's not that way in the minority oh, no, community. It's not. It's not. And if you, if you notice these bad policies when it comes to public safety, who does it hurt worse? These bad policies on our border. Who does it hurt worse yeah. than first? It hurts those folks that are in those struggling neighborhoods, those minorities, because oftentimes those criminals will go into those neighborhoods and ply their wares first. So it hurts first and worst in the very neighborhoods that these folks say that they're all about protecting. Yeah. And the proof is in the pudding. They're not protecting anybody. And we need to get back in the camp of law and order and make sure that public safety is for everyone, uh, not just those that can afford to have walls around their homes. Right. Uh, such an important point. Sir, uh, the North Carolina is a red state normally, but the governor's been blue for a while. Yes. You're in uh, the ring for 2024. What's it going to take to flip all of North Carolina red? Well, you know, since 2010, uh, conservatives in our state have shown what they can do. Yeah. Uh, again, proof is in the pudding. We, um, uh, in, before 2010, we were $3.4 billion in debt to the federal government. Our right. economy was stagnant. Uh, conservatives took over. Now we're no longer in debt to the federal government, not one dime. We have a, a billions of dollars in surplus every year. We're the number one business destination in the, in the nation. Uh, if we continue on that track, folks are going to uh, finally wake up and realize conservatism has the answer. The folks that are running this state right now, our legislature, uh, they have the answers to make sure that North Carolina can, rem- can remain great and be even greater right. in the future. So we've got to send that message out, and I believe that North Carolina is going to wrap itself up in red pretty soon here. There are going to be a lot of people happy with you as a governor, I'm pretty sure. We'll we'll, we'll see about that. Yes, sir. Do you think that in in that instance, North Carolina represents a microcosm? Because we've seen some some rifts in the National Party, in the Republican Mm -hmm. Party. Is that something that the National Party should use as a prototype for for unifying the party? Absolutely. If there's one thing that we need in our party is, is party unity. Oftentimes, we, one of the things that hurts us the worst is infighting. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think some of that sadly goes back to what we just talked about. Right. People wanting to be a congressman or senator instead of understanding this is not about what you want. This is about doing things that are going to save your nation. And I always tell folks, we've got to look at the substantive problems that we are facing. Our open border, the crisis with law enforcement, the crisis in education. Uh, the perilous times that we find ourselves standing on with our safety, our security, our, our economy. We've got to let, the be that, let that be the beacon call for us to come in and serve right. to make sure that we continue to, uh, to preserve this constitutional republic. Yeah, that's what people are looking for. They want servants, not rock stars and actors. And, that's, uh, right. Other. that's right. Um, sir, there's a lot of talk about what Republicans need to do nationally to show the country that putting the, uh, the trust in their hands will actually make this country better. What advice would you give the folks here today, the folks on stage that might want to be president? What's the key things to capturing 2024 nationwide? Well, just to start differences, start differences between conservative policies and principles and leftist policies and principles. Notice what I said. I didn't say liberal right. policies right. and right. principles. Right. I said leftist policies and principles. It's leftist policies that are driving our, some of our cities into ruin. It's leftist policies that have our border open. When uh, we had conservative policies running this nation, our border was secure, we were energy independent, yeah. and our economy was firing on all cylinders. If we want safety, security, great education, if we want all those great things, we need to adhere to some solid principles. And I would submit to you that those solid principles uh, rest with conservatives. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Something. 
interesting, I would say, happened in the last three or four days. You know, I, I think a lot of people associate crime-ridden cities with Democrats. So often, Democrat leadership for decades and decades, super Democrat majorities in, yeah. in places yeah. like this. Uh, but this D.C. crime bill, which is... I think it would be unbelievably damaging to D.C. The, mm-hmm. the softening on crime, I think that that just, just touches the surface. Joe Biden broke with Democrats on it. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised? I'm, I'm not. Because Joe Biden is realizing that the people of the United States of America are not buying this anymore. Yeah. They're not buying it. I'm just going to use the word. They're not buying this garbage anymore. No, they're not. They are seeing people literally losing their lives because our border is open, losing their lives because we have bail reform that is allowing the the courthouse door to be a revolving door of criminal activity. And they're not putting up with it anymore. He's waking up and realizing that his party's defund the police moniker is, is not only a losing proposition for his party. It's a losing proposition for life on the streets. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to abandon it and try to do the right thing. But he's, it's too little too late. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. So we've got just a minute left. We've got to throw it back to Ed and Karen. But I want to ask this. You're champion of the First Amendment. You're champion of the Second Amendment. You've championed parents' rights in the most powerful of ways. How big an issue is that? And what more needs to be done nationwide to make sure parents don't have to co-parent with the United States government? That's exactly right. The number one thing, I, well, when you talk about the United States government, if I had my way about it, we'd go to D.C. and shut down that education building. Yes. The United States uh, uh, government has no business being That's in right. the education uh, systems of the states. That's number one. Number two, you cannot have a great education system if parents are not allowed to be in control of their children's educational destiny. That's right. That is the number one component of a great education system. Uh, the call has already gone out. We've seen parents all across the nation rise up and say, hey, we want better, and if you can't deliver deliver better, we're going to find better. As legislators, we need to make sure that the vehicles exist for folks to decide how their children are educated. Thanks for joining us today. A big thank you to House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan for all the great work he's been doing. Big update on subpoenas and witness testimony and weaponization, the border. Anthony Fauci, we covered a lot a lot in a very short period of time. We're very lucky to have had him on today. And of course, a big thank you to our good friend and colleague, Nick Jeevis, who came in and gave us a really important update on January 6th. A lot more big revelations about to come in the next few months. And then, of course, I want to also thank Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson for spending time with Amanda and I at CPAC. We got a really substantive interview. It was a very exciting opportunity to have him on and to learn so much. Hey, before we go, I want to remind you that we have many great sponsors, many great advertisers, many great partners. Some have services, some have economic opportunities, some have products. Some are there to help you improve your health. And that's one of the things I've been doing. My good friends at Field of Greens have been helping me lose weight and eat more vegetables and fruit. How do I do that? How do I consume that and not have to worry about, did I get the apples? Did I get the oranges? Well, the Field of Greens powders are amazing. They are scientifically chosen to support vital organs like my heart, my lungs, and of course, my kidneys. And they also help support your immune system, your blood pressure, your metabolism. And as I've been experiencing, they help you lose some weight. Um, I noticed this weekend when I was at CPAC, my jacket is a little bit looser. And I'm glad. I got a long way to go. But I credit a lot of that weight loss to the exercise and the regimen of taking these Field of Green supplements. 
with whole organic fruit and vegetables every day. Taking it every day is making a big difference. I don't have the time maybe to do all the things I want to do to make myself healthy with the daily hustle of, of what we do. But I can tell you, Fields of Greens has made a huge difference. I have more energy. I sleep better. And of course, I know I'm eating better and I'm losing weight. So if you want to get in on this incredible product, if you want to start to try it and see, hey, will it help me? Will I lose weight? Will I have more energy like John? Well, let me get you started with 15% off. That's right. You're going to get 15% off if you visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS, right? Go to fieldsofgreens.com, use the promo code JUSTNEWS. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier very fast and have way more energy, but your best proof will be at your next checkup when your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up. It's working. Now, to get that 15% off, just one more time, go to visit the website, fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. Just News will get you 15% off using that promo code. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So grateful you can join. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the website. We'll have lots of breaking news throughout the night. And we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, podcast from Just the News.